Welcome to City Talk with Sabrina Bengal and Liz Hartman. And hello, New Bern, and welcome. Guess what? It is Friday once again, every other day. Ladies, it's Friday. Uh, it's just amazing how the weeks go by. Um, uh, this is Sabrina Bengal. I welcome you to City Talk. My good friend and co-host Liz Hartman is um, out again, you know, doing what she loves. This is a passionate, passionate woman about um, providing support and information to our veteran ranks and American legions across our country. And she's just amazing how she just gets out there and she is relentless when it comes to making sure that veterans have access to the resources that they need. So, you know, shout out to my co-host. I miss her. In a couple of weeks, she'll be back. And uh, Liz, if you're listening, because I know that you are, uh, we miss you and, and come back soon. Um, I, I, I kind of want to start the show this morning on somewhat of a sad note for me and for many, many of you that um, are part of the Pirate Nation. Of course, all of you know I'm a East Carolina girl, love me some pirates. And last Friday evening, we got the terrible, terrible news that Jeff Charles, who is the voice of the Pirates, has has been for as long as I can remember, um, had passed away uh, unexpectedly. <clears throat> Actually, he was down in New Orleans. They were going to be playing Tulane, and um, he uh, suddenly passed away. And I'm telling you, um, I, I just, I will forever hear that voice. You know, let's paint it purple every time we won. And just a great guy, and, uh, you know, I just can't say enough about him. I also want to, you know, send my condolences to Sa Seymour, of course. Great Sa Seymour, our local <laughs> celebrity. I just love Sai. How can you not love Sai? And, you know, he was, you know, the co-speaker with, with Jeff. He was alongside him during basketball season. They were great friends. They were colleagues. And I know his heart is as broken, if not more, than everybody else. So... Um, you know, I just want to take a, a, a minute today to uh, mourn the loss of Jeff Charles. What a great asset he was to East Carolina. And um, I know that he is painting it purple in heaven. You know, it's just uh, those words will always ring to me. But on a good note, it's it's Friday once again. Last weekend was spectacular in downtown Newburn. You know, we had so much going on with the opening of the Civic Theater. It was amazing. Um, Baxter's is just going great guns. And so lots of good things happening in New Bern. But today, we've got other really good things going on in New Bern that, you know, as we talk about time to time, we like to bring awareness to organizations and people and things happening in our community. This is a fabulous, fabulous community. We have so much going on that people don't even know about. And so... Um, I was contacted by a friend of mine. He said, Sabrina, I've got this great lady, and I want you to bring her on the show so she could talk about foster care in our region. So um, this morning, I'd like to welcome Tracy and Christina, is that right, um, to City Talk, and they are with Access Family Services. So welcome to City Talk, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about you know i have lots of questions about foster care we've heard it so many times we see foster parents foster children but i don't know that many people really know about what it is so whoever wants to start tell us a little bit about what you do um my name is tracy Estimer, and i'm a licensing consultant at access family services um and basically what i do is i make sure that the families that are already foster parents maintain their licensure 
Um, we also recruit new foster families, um, and I do a lot of training and stuff for the foster families. There is a huge need in this area and all over North Carolina for new foster families. Um, we have a lot of children in this area that often become displaced, and they're moved maybe to other counties or a different region within North Carolina. And we need local families that are, are great people um, that want to serve in this area. Um, a lot of children are displaced when they come into foster care from their family, from their pets, from their churches, from their doctors, from everything that they know. So we need local families. And that's what we're here today to discuss. Well, great. So, Christina, I know you're a supervisor. And, um, you know, what I'll be honest with you, in my mind, I just thought um, Department of Social Services, you know, handled all this. I didn't realize that there was an organization that did it. I just figured, okay, they, they're usually the caseworkers in a lot of cases for children that need to come out of the home and into foster care. You know, how does that work that you're obviously a private organization? Mm-hmm. Um, great, great question. So um, <laughs> our agency works hand in hand with DSS and we also work with private placements. So families that are um, having concerns with their own children, disrupting out of their own home environment. And, um, we come alongside and we provide therapeutic services for the child while their parents may be working things out and unfortunately they can't be in their own home setting we provide a stable home environment um, for the children to grow up in and to um, get the services they need while their parents are getting the services that they need so um, we have a consultant come into the home weekly and support the foster parents so they're not alone. We're not just throwing kids <laughs> yeah, in your home. Take the kids. Yeah, we'll no. See you later. <laughs> right. We're not going to do that at all. We support you. So um, we have a consultant come into the home and say, what are the needs of the child? What's working? What's not working? And they help set up therapy, medication management, anything that the child needs. We make sure that those services are provided. So again, I, how does this differ from what DSS does? So I just, I'm trying to, yes. you know, again, educate the, the, the public. So DSS, do they do pretty much the same thing or are you just a added resource or are you, you know, I guess there's just never enough staff at DSS. The social workers are so overwhelmed. So DSS works with the children, but they're also working with um, the parents and they're trying to reunify the family. As a foster care agency, we are working primarily with the foster side of things so we're working with the children making sure that the children are getting what they need because oftentimes they're going we always want reunification we want children in the homes that they belong to right so so we're providing that safe environment for them um age appropriate um daily living skills that we work on so if a kiddo um has been most of our kids are exposed to trauma right? Obviously just being removed from your home. Oh, absolutely. But they've witnessed a lot of things, experienced a lot of things. So we're there to work through um, these crises, these traumas with them. But then we're also there to help build them up and support them with daily living skills. So if they are younger, um, we want to make sure they know how to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, that they know how to make breakfast and get off to school and do things where when they go back into their home environment, they can still maintain age-appropriate living skills that they may not have been taught. Right. So in most cases, is this mandated by the courts? They say that a child must... So it's the courts that say the child must be removed from the home into foster care. Correct. And that's kind of where you all step in and say, here's 
here's the home that would be appropriate for this age child or this circumstance or whatever. Is that correct? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So it's court mandated usually. Um, and then sometimes we do private placements where the court might just tell the parent, hey, before DSS steps in, um, you have a couple options. Try to find, okay. you know, a foster family. Um, so, you know, that, that begs the question, and you're talking about, um, Tracy here, the, the need for them. You know, how do you identify foster families, and what's the criteria that, that you're looking for that they people who are listening today say, well, I might be interested. What's the criteria? Um, so one of the things that we're looking for are people that come in, and they can be reliable. Um, they have to be willing to take a background check and have their fingerprints done. Um, we run a lot of different background checks on them to make sure that they are a good fit for, you know, the children that will be placed in the home. Um, they have to open their homes up to um, me, who I'm, you know, a licensing consultant, a person that would come in to verify that they have everything they need for a child to be placed in their home. They have to have a closet. They have to have a dresser. They have to have a bed with bedding. Um, the qualities and characteristics of a foster parent would need to be somebody that is consistent, has structure, can be reliable and dependable. Um, most importantly, they need to have love for children that have been through a lot of trauma, sometimes a lot of abuse, and some children that have um, behavior issues that are difficult to deal with. Um, those are all things that are, I would say, are necessary for a good foster parent. Um, we provide training for the foster parents. They have to do 36 hours of pre-service training. We um, use the Presley Ridge model of training. Um, once we have established a foster parent, um, for a year, they will then go into another training called Together Facing the Challenge, which is more um, oriented towards behaviors that foster parents have probably seen in that first year of having children in their home um, and how to deal with those behaviors and stuff. So we're just really looking for people that can provide a loving home for children that are in need. Awesome. So um, how many do you manage a year? I mean, what are, what are we talking about? How many foster families or foster parents do you have in your organization? I mean, are there many or there or what what's your capacity? Um, we will never reach capacity. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we always need homes. We need therapeutic homes statewide. Like I said, our agency is statewide. Um, there's always a need. There are children um, sleeping at the DSS office because they don't have enough homes. Um once somebody says, hey, I have the heart for these kids, I would really like to open my home or at least see what's going on. What does this look like? They're not going to be left alone. Our consultants come in. Tracy trains them to be therapeutic. If there's um, a need that the child has that the parent feels like, I don't know anything about you know, maybe they have ADD or, or something like that. Correct. Okay. I don't know anything about this diagnosis. We're like, no problem. Let's talk about it. You know, what behaviors are you seeing? What's working? What's not working? Let's figure this out. So the parents are never going to be alone, and we provide this ongoing training. So, you know, and I have lots of questions. So I'm really, I, I have so many questions because, of course, I, you know, for years you, you hear about this, and we know, thank God, there are people that are willing to, to do this, but mm -hmm. you know, do you look for families that have children already? Do that not have children? Do they have to be a certain age? You know, it, maybe some. We have so many retirees coming into the area. Would that be a good fit? And then, how do you figure out? I know you have everything from infants to teenagers, don't you? We even have an eighteen to twenty-one program that we work with that um, 
Yeah, there's no 21 is our is our cap. <laughs> um, yeah. But there's no there's no age limits and there's no specific type of person that we're looking for. We're looking for everybody because there's all kinds of kids out there with all kinds of needs. Um, we have parents that have um, a history of neglect themselves. But uh, so they can relate to that. Hey, if you have a kid that's been neglected, I've been there. I can relate. I would love to pour into these kids. But you know what? I can't do physical aggression. Don't. I just can't. I can't have physical aggression in my home. I have a child or I, you know, it's too close to their heart where it's Mm -hmm. just it's too much. We will not do that. We will not place a child in their home that has physical aggression. So you evaluate that person first. And like you said, the background Mm -hmm. checks and you kind of get the lay of the land and you feel what's a good fit, you know, with the child. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people also too. the the stories you've heard is that people get infants, they get very attached and they don't want to let the children go or at any age. How how is that dealt with? I know that's a, you know, a question out there. Well, me and my husband, we adopted through foster care um, and we knew going in that we wanted to adopt. There are so many children out there. I think you have to mentally prepare yourself if you decide to be a foster parent, that that is a part of it. I see being a foster parent as a way to serve. I mean, we were called um, to be foster parents and I was like, oh my gosh, we're so not prepared for this. You know, I'm not qualified. And I think a lot of the families that I meet with, sometimes that's how they feel too. Um, But it's just a part of being a foster parent that you have to prepare yourself for. You know, not all children, their plan is not to go back to, you know, their plan is to go back home, a lot of them, and not to be adopted. So that is something that you do deal with if you become a foster parent. We want reunification. We want the children to go back into their home and the children want to go back. Right. But you have to make sure that it is a, I would assume, a stable, Mm -hmm. safe environment. That is the most thing. So who makes that determination? Do you do? Does DSS or does... That is DSS. So So they come in and determine if it's a safe and mm -hmm. that they can reunite. Exactly. We meet with DSS... um, multiple times, but at least Mm -hmm. monthly where the foster parent comes together, therapists come together, the consultant comes together, and we talk about the child. Where is the child at? Um, They each have a treatment plan. What are the goals for this child while they're in the home? Um, So there's structure to to the treatment, to the child coming in the home. It's not just, you know... Um, we don't just dump a kid in your home or anything like that. We're going to work with you. So, of course, the elephant in the room here is the cost. So, you know, obviously, we know in this day and time it costs to raise children mm-hmm. and an extra mouth to feed and clothe and all that. How how does is all that remunerated? Does, uh, you know, a parent or a foster family have to have a certain level of income? I mean, how do you determine all of that? I told you I was going to ask all these questions. <laughs> Um, Yeah, there has to be a certain um, level of income. Uh, For children that are in foster care, they do get a stipend. That stipend is to go to them um, or for for providing care for them, actually. But they do have to have a certain level of income before we would place a child in the home because we wouldn't want to place anybody where they were looking at it as an income thing. We're going off of their ability, you know, to be quality. Because, you know, that's been the, you know, the bad part of it you've heard so many people Mm -hmm. that they just take foster children to get the income and then the child's not cared for so i didn't know how so to prevent that sorry i'm no 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 so to prevent that because that is a concern of ours part of what tracy does is she makes sure that the family is financially stable Mm -hmm. to maintain their own bills and provide for their family prior to placing another child in the home 
So that the money truly is going to the yeah. care of that child, additional food, clothing, whatever is necessary. Absolutely. You know, schooling, all of that. Does, uh, does your consultant come in then and say to them they need to go to this school or that school? Or, you know, do you work with that, uh, we their work, education plan? <laughs> absolutely. So we're involved in every aspect. Um, the children will go to the same um, school that's in that family's or that home's community. Foster home, not, foster where, not home. where they were going. Right, the foster home. So we'll ask them, is there a doctor that you like to use? Is there a dentist that you like to use? Um, what school district are you in? What would you like? Um, where would you like the child to go? So it's not really coming out or inconveniencing the parent. Um, the parent can pretty much keep their own um, network. What about the child? So if the child was going to, let's say, ABC school mm-hmm. and the foster parent is in DEF school district, mm-hmm. can the child stay in, in what they're used to? Or how do you, you know, if you can, the whole idea is you want to keep them in Craven County. You don't want to have to send them mm-hmm. to, you know, Wilmington or somewhere else uh, to find foster care. Right. So do you try to work within that or do they allow you to do that? Um, so that's a good point because that's what typically happens when we don't have enough foster parents in the area. Um, we do try to work around whatever the child is used to. However, it's really hard. And that's why we need more families in this area to keep kids that are from this community in this community mm-hmm. around things that are familiar to them. Right. So I have a question. It says in Craven County, how many children are currently need, in need of fostering? Would you say? I don't have a number on it. I don't either. I looked at statistics, and the the latest thing I could find was like in 2019. I don't recall exactly what that was, but it's, I mean, there's a a huge need. Are we talking, are there 1,000 kids? Are there 500? Are there 100 kids in Craven County, maybe Mm -hmm. currently in foster care? Uh, Currently in foster care? I'm not sure of that number either. I know that there are a lot of children. I know that the need is big. We get referrals all the time for um, children of different ages and different diagnoses right. and different needs. And if we have just one home that, um, so we work with the homes. If you were to become a foster parent, you say, look, I just, I'm really great with kids under 12 years old, mm-hmm. between like five and 12, then that's what who we're going to try to place with you. Right. We're going to call you up and say, hey, we have this child. Um, these are the needs. How do you feel about this child? Possibly placing this child in your home. We can do a meet and greet where you can meet the child. The child can um, meet you and see if there's a good mesh there. Um, and if not, then unfortunately, that's we're not going to force a child in your home. Right. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Understood. We, we need to do what's good for your family because we. Oh, well, what's good for the family, success. but what's good for the because at the end of the day, you're trying to help this child exactly. maintain a stable environment, and you know from the trauma they've been and being removed from a home. Right. You know that's the first and foremost, regardless of all the other diagnoses. Mm-hmm. Um, being removed from a home that you've lived in is is it's traumatizing. You know, it is. It mm-hmm. is. And then of course you know you have infants that you know that's a whole nother ball game uh which i'm sure you know you know it makes it it makes it really difficult but you know there's there's such a need and i totally get this the the need Um, i want to tell everybody who's listening right now uh, if you're joining us on facebook and thank you to everyone who's joined us today um on the screen you're seeing the access family service website it's talking about how to you know where do you get started how to become a uh a foster parent, um, there's information, phone numbers, all of that is on your screen right now. For those of you who are listening 
um, on the radio. And of course, this show will be broadcast, rebroadcast this evening at 6 p.m. on 96.3 on your FM dial. Thank you, Henry Hinton, for rebroadcasting our show. What is the website that people can go to? Because, of course, they're going to be listening on the radio tonight. Where can they go to get information? Access Family Services. Is that that your website? It is. It is. So Um, it's accessfamilyservices.com? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And if you have have questions, give us a call. We'd love to talk to you. Tracy can... um, chat with you and answer any particular questions you have. Um, Wednesday, we're going to have an event, um, just an open door to our office to come in, get a snack and ask any questions you have. We can talk about oh, that's awesome. documentation. We can talk about um, just more specific what things look like and what things look like for you and your home and what you what right. you think, what are your strengths? What are All your right. weaknesses? So where's your office located? Where's this located for people to go to? 1403 McCarthy Boulevard. So landmark. New Barn. Give, New give Barn. a landmark. McCarthy Boulevard, is that over there where all the doctor's offices are? It's where the it Chevrolet is. dealership is at. It's right beside oh, the I Chevrolet see. dealership. Okay, good. It's that side of McCarthy. Yes, okay, yes. perfect. See, that's yes. that's why we have landmarks. <laughs> so you're going to turn off a of Martin Luther King right. over there behind and check out the cars, and then you can check out Access Family Services. Mm-hmm. That, would be, that would be really good. And, you know, again, for those of you listening and, and share our video, um, you know, if you do feel a, a need or you feel your heart's in this area or maybe you know somebody mm-hmm. who would like to do this, um, you know, you certainly should reach out. I, I believe there's a lot of stigma around foster care. Yeah. And I think it's important. I'm so glad that you wanted to come on because I think it's good to answer these questions and let people know that it is a needed service. Mm-hmm. And when I think about children who live here having to be sent to another county, I mean, that's probably as traumatic as being removed from the home that you're not in familiar, mm-hmm. you know, surroundings, especially a smaller child. And uh, I know, too, that teens are very hard to place, aren't they? Yes. So what what do you do when you can't place somebody? I, I hate to ask that question, but what – I heard you say they're sleeping at they DSS. They sleep at DSS. Seriously, and that's – Literally just... sleep at DSS, or some children are stuck um, waiting in a hospital or um, we have respite homes, which is something that you can do as well. You don't have to commit to just having a foster care. You can say, hey, I would love to do respite. And for um, those of you who don't know, respite is kind of like babysitting and it's that temporary um, stay at a home while a kid is um, being placed. Or say you are a foster parent and you have um, a wedding to go to and it's out of state and you're not going to be, be able to bring the child and you're going to be gone for the weekend, we have respite providers. Oh, okay. Other licensed foster parents that are willing to step in and kind of fill that gap for other foster parents. Oh, that's that's pretty good. See, these are all the kind of things that most people don't know. Right. <laughs> you know, it's 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 good to ask. Um, you know, for those of you who have questions, please, you know, reach out and let us know what, what questions you have. We can certainly post them in our comments here. Uh, but, you know, it's obvious there's a real need. And again, I'm going to talk about the stigma of being a foster parent. And I believe that both of the ladies here have, have shown that it's just a way to care for children and, and care mm-hmm. for people who really, really need this kind of service. And um, I know there's probably people out there who probably have some space and who mm-hmm. can do something like this. And I 
think it's a you know great program. So you know the first step is reaching out to Access Family Services. I want to re- keep repeating the name, <laughs> Access Family Services, and um, start the process. Ask mm-hmm. the questions. Talk to uh, Tracy, and I'm sure if you're not available, Christina's available, yes. and you know, talk to them. Ask them what is this all about? How do I get started? How do I find out more? And maybe through the process, you think it's not a fit for you, or you do think it's a fit for you. They can help you just, you know, get get in that direction. And you won't be alone. You have a support team. So this is not, we're just going to place a child in your home and that's it. It is, hey, we're going to be in there weekly and say, how can I support you? What do you need? Right. Ash, what do we need to do? I just, my, my heartbeat right now is Mm-hmm. feeling that you've got these children sleeping at DSS and whatever. Right. I mean, is there a need for facilities? You know, when I say facilities, mm-hmm. is there a need for maybe a home someplace where you have all-age children in it? You know, we talk back to orphanages. You know, mm-hmm. those we short 20s and 30s, we saw all the picture of orf- orphanages, and we don't have those anymore. Now I know, mm-hmm. is there some place over in Goldsboro going that way that was a home for children years ago my mother grew up in the orphanage at Oxford and her stories were just unreal and when I heard her stories when I was little I thought oh that would be so cool but as I got older I realized she was taken from everything that she knew her mother died when she was nine and her and two of her siblings were placed at Oxford right so I don't think they have those anymore they don't you know and and so is there a need for that I'm just, I'm just curious. This kids, is the conversation. So my son, we um, adopted him when he was 11, but when we did foster care, we got him when he was 10, and he come from a group home in the mountains. And so when he got here, he was like, it's so different here because it's warm. We were by the coast. The food was different. Right. I mean, it was just totally different. And there's a huge need for teenagers. I'll yeah. say that. Yeah. yeah. There's a need for everyone. Yes. Every type of home, every type of um, income, a lot of... Um, homes with different income, right? Because you do have children who may come from a lower income housing that won't feel comfortable in um, in a more affluential home, right. you know, or some that are used to that and won't feel comfortable. So just all races, all cultures, all belief systems, everything is yeah. needed across the map. So everyone can be a good fit if you're willing to go through and get trained, get the, be therapeutic. (laughs) That's the big thing is just being therapeutic, opening your home, providing safety, structure, just a clean, healthy environment. We don't expect anybody to be perfect. We're not perfect. Our homes are not perfect. (laughs) Right, right. We don't expect that. We just need um, a safe place for these children to see what healthy looks like, which is families going through ups and downs, families arguing, families resolving things. Teenagers, um, I I don't even know how to break that stigma for teenagers because yeah. um, I think a lot of people have a fear of they're older and they're more set in their ways or they can they're capable of doing more well, destruction. And we hear but, the things about young people today. I mean, I mm-hmm. drinking drugs, you know, all yes. of that, and that is that is a challenge. But you may be that one person. Mm-hmm that helps them overcome that or just by, you know, some loving care and attention. And that's what they needed, some structure. Mm-hmm. They need someone to listen to them mm-hmm. and just somewhere to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that that helps to work through those issues. But I know that um, if, if you're listening and this is something you feel led to do, uh, again, mm-hmm. these two ladies w- would be here to talk to you about it, walk you through it, find what works the best for you. And if it doesn't, no hard feelings because, mm-hmm. you know, they want 
success for the child as much as they want it for the foster parent. Right. So you want success on both sides of it. Um, and I think that that's what's really important in this. Okay, so so one one last time, you got you each can have a closing statement now and and you know talk about what we've talked about today. Your parting words, um, if you say anything. I would say that foster care is for anybody that just wants to provide a loving home. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to come out and talk with you or um, meet your family and find out you know what you can bring to the table for a child that's in need. Mm-hmm. Um, Anytime Monday through fi- Friday, I'm available eight to five. Give me a call and we can schedule something. Yes. That's great. And um, we are statewide. So okay. it doesn't matter where you live. Give us a call. We'll point you in the right direction. We'll answer your questions and know that you will not be alone. You will have a consultant to support you. You will have a licensing consultant to support you. And the child will be able to attend therapy. Um, We will support you as much as possible so that these children can get a safe, loving environment that they deserve. Right. And I want to remind everybody, February 22nd, which is a Tuesday, Wednesday, 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 February 22nd, Wednesday coming up. There's going to be a lunch and learn from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then there's going to be some snacks and facts. I love that. (laughs) Snacks and facts from 537. So if you work and you want to find more, they are giving you two opportunities to go to Access Family Services, they're located at 1403 McCarthy Boulevard behind the Chevrolet dealership. So check out a car while you're going. Um, and just, you know, stop in and get some more information and find out um, about this program. I think it's pretty awesome. And um, I have to give a shout out to my friend, Travis Oakley, who, um, yes. you know, shouted out to me and said, Sabrina, could, could you have this program on? I said, sure. You know, we want people to hear what's going on in a community. So. Thank you, Travis. Yes, thank you, Travis. <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today, and I appreciate it. I hope I see you on the sidewalks, and if there's anything we can do, please feel free to send it to us in Newburn Live, and we're glad to put it out there for you. We'll make sure we get this on our um, you know, list of events coming up so that thank if you. people see it, they can do it. But um, Thank you for the opportunity. No, 30 minutes goes by quick, doesn't it? It does. It does. Thank you so much Since for this. We appreciate you were so it. Worried about this. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it would be easy, but uh, we're we're uh, we're going to shift right now, and um, I believe we have Mayor Odom on the phone. Mayor, are you there? I am. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. How about you? Good. I'm doing good. It's Friday once again. Thank you for your Mayor's Minute. You had a meeting on Tuesday night. <laughs> another one in the books, right? Yeah, another one in the books, and uh, fairly routine meeting. Uh, a couple of interesting. Uh, topics we discussed. We had a presentation from the architect on Stanley White. Uh, They had some uh, more definitive renderings that they were able to share with us and some timelines on, um, you know, when we can um, take a look and expect some uh, movement on that. So in the uh, the coming weeks, uh, we should see some some bids going out and uh, hopefully some uh, resolution finally to uh, Stanley White. So do you think we're really going to start building in in 23 oh yeah yeah i definitely do um you know it's, it's taken a long time to get here and we all know there were many reasons on why uh some were what i call self-inflicted uh which caused delays that were completely unnecessary and we've ultimately ended up exactly where we all knew we were going to and um it's just a shame that it's taken this long you know building materials and cost of construction has escalated but 
you know, hopefully uh, keep our fingers crossed. Things seem to be slowing down a little bit on that front. So uh, maybe it will actually have um, some a light at the end of the tunnel with us from a, a cost perspective. Well, that would be awesome because I know, you know, the building is going to be such an asset to the community and to the city. And uh, long, long, long overdue. Uh, what do you think construction time is going to be? A year, 18 months? Yeah, but between that, a year and 18 months, you just never know around here with the uh, the weather on what we could expect. Um, you know, if, if, it, if things go great and there's no issues with supplies or things of that nature, then, you know, I think it, it could theoretically be built um, in a little over a year. Uh, but as we've seen, sometimes things get drug out. I, I get reminded almost every time I'm out talking about construction, about the hotel behind the mall, and that thing seems like it's never going to, never going to end, but uh, hopefully we won't, we won't be in one of those situations. Right. Well, it's just been a lack of materials and, and you talk to anybody who's built a home and it's been nuts around here for the last few years. So I, I certainly understand that. Another item that a great interest, I think, to the community was the GIS presentation. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, um, you know, Alice does a, a wonderful Amazing. job with GIS and uh, she just continues to look for ways to how we can leverage that sort of technology and the fact that there's so much information that's available. You know, we hear we hear oftentimes a complaint about, you know, transparency and all of this that we hear forever. And there's so much information out there that if people, you know, just take a little bit of time, you can learn just about anything you want to about the operations of city government. The information's there. Uh, you just kind of have to take it upon yourself to to find it. So we're trying to do everything we can to make that as easy as possible for our citizens and those that are interested to to find that information. And this is just uh, this GIS hub is just another example. It was interesting to see that you know, they'll be adding some things from uh, Intel that they have with development services. So, for example, there's a new uh, drive through coffee shop that's coming uh, to the, the west part of town. And uh, I noticed that popped up on the, the GIS hub and it kind of gives you a little bit of overview of that project where it's going to be located. Because, you know, that's what excites everybody is when you start to see or hear that something new is coming. Everybody wants to know what it is. So, you know, we'll try to get things like that updated as quickly as possible as well. Right. And that and that's pretty much data driven. Um, still, I'd, Mayor, this is just a suggestion, but I'd like to see your website update a little bit because sometimes it's hard to find the information. You know, you go to the page and you've got to go through 10 pages or something to to get to things. Sometimes I, I'd like to see more ease of trying to find stuff because well, even as a former alderman, I was trying to find things on there I couldn't find. So. I, ironically, I had just sent an email to staff, I guess it was last week or week before last, that I think our website is due for a refresh. You're, you're right. I was trying to find something on there myself. It was a little bit difficult to find. And then there is so much information there that sometimes it's hard to keep things updated. Right. And, uh, you know, we just need to make it as simple as possible. If, if there's information that we're sharing that is in lieu of a another website or another entity you know we just need to link that right versus exactly us having to keep up with something that somebody else is doing yeah uh, no doubt about it would make it easy um so next on my little laundry list of things to talk about i see where we have reduced the speed limit now people need to be aware on national avenue um and i believe the points were from dunn street which is the railroad tracks when you come over the railroad tracks all the way down to is it the national cemetery or is it before then no i believe i believe that's it i don't have the map in front of me but it was um what the the community there 
asked was for you know something to be done. They felt like it needed to be safer. A um, lot of lot of speeders along that stretch of highway, and you know, I get it. Everybody's gonna. It's like everything else. Everybody's gonna have a different opinion on it. I've I've seen the comments online. You know, some people are for it. Some people are against it. Um, you know, some some person sort of questioned and said, "Yeah, well, how many citizens asked for this?" And I said, "Well, you know, I think there was almost a hundred that signed the uh, signed the petition." And he came back and said. Well, that's, you know, point, point, zero, 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 whatever of the newborn population. I said, yeah, but, you know, you need to look at the ones that are actually affected. And that's the other thing. You know, this kind of goes back to the, the Talbot slot discussion and debate that we had. There was a lot of opinions on that. But the question was, well, how many are actually, you know, the ones that invested in that MSD that actually paid for it? You know, right. they should be the ones that kind of have a say. So. You know, we, we try to try to be fair and equitable to everybody, but, you know, there's no way to make everybody happy. Well, and, and I'll tell you the, the big issue now, because, you know, again, part of my district um, there and North Craven Street, we lowered the, you know, the speeding limit on North Craven Street. And it didn't necessarily stop the speeders because you can't have 24-7 enforcement. Um, and that strip, that uh, street for for people who are just new to the area, was owned by the state for many, many years. That was that was the thoroughfare to get really over to 17 and, and other things back in the day. So it was a state-owned road. And I believe we just picked that up maybe in the last 10 years or uh, maybe during your first term, we picked up all those streets that were state-owned. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe that was part of the, uh, the transfer and swap that we did with the OT for the bridge that we didn't want to own. Right. So, you know, now it is, you know, uh, maintained and it's owned by the city of New Bern. And, you know, again, it's just going to be monitoring. We have people that just don't care. You know, they're going to speed down the street whenever. Um, well, and it, it has been a thoroughfare with people working at Hatteras and going out that way. It has it has been a thoroughfare for a long time. Trucks as well. Yeah, it's, it's no different than, you know, gun laws or drinking and driving if, if people are going to break the law they're going to break the law right. you know, our, our hope is is that you know we bring awareness to those folks that that traverse that area on a routine basis and let them know that the speed limit's been changed and there's always a possibility that uh it's going to cost you because if yeah. you get caught you know you're going to get a ticket so. absolutely have you seen that um any impact on changing the speeding limit on glen burney yeah we've again that was another one that was fairly controversial a lot of different opinions on it um, and and I, I get it. You know, one of the main arguments that I think is, is pretty valid is it's not always busy on that highway, uh, but it certainly is during the middle of the day. And that's when we see a lot of accidents. But, um, you know, feedback from a couple of the officers um, and traffic control folks that I've spoken with, they said that, you know, it's definitely made a difference. Um, we don't have nearly as many incidents that we did before. And that, um, you know, that that's that's what we were ultimately going after was to try to make it safer. Right. Uh, anything else at the meeting that stood out that you all voted on? I don't know if you had any public hearings or anything like that. No, um, you know, there's there's still um, one one of my fellow aldermen that have an issue, I guess, with uh, the way housing appointment authority appointments are made. <laughs> and I uh, feel like that uh, they should be made in, in open public, which is interesting. It's, it's just, this is not a board appointment. This is the one thing that uh, the mayor has the sole discretion to do, and that is appoint members to the housing authority. And historically, 
as far back as we can find records. Um, 1939, and I've got them. Anybody wants to see them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, all, it's always been. It's never been done during a, a public meeting. And, um, you know, we hung up on this transparency. And, you know, this is the second time now that um, particular alderman has brought this up as a concern. And, you know, it's it's not a concern of the majority of the board because they've had ample opportunity to speak up. Matter of fact, I asked them on, uh, Tuesday night, is that a motion that you want to try to force me to make housing authority appointments in a public meeting and there was no no real motion made and not a lot of traction but you know what i want to say on this is i I appreciate the fact that there seems to be so much interest now in the housing authority i think it's great because people really need to dig into what's going on over there you know we all heard during our campaigns that you know newburn needs more affordable housing well that's interesting when you find out that the housing authority has got 80 percent occupancy rate and, you know, there's a lot of things going on over there that's questionable. We all know that, you know, we're almost coming up on, what is it, five years now when September gets here? Yes, that, sir. You know, Florence was here, and we still have buildings that were flooded that are still standing. And, you know, I've tried to work uh, some folks in Raleigh and try to get some support from that angle to make sure we can get those buildings torn down. And then all of a sudden there's a rumor that, you know, there's a backroom deal with the Kesslers. Yeah, I've, I was going to ask you that because I was I was questioned about that this week. It was so the 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 accusation and inference was so absurd that it didn't even really warrant a, a response. Uh, I personally haven't spoken to the Kessler since I've been elected mayor, um, and I think they have a lot of priorities. And I, I doubt very seriously that uh, Trent Court is one of those right now. When you consider the warm. Uh, reception that they received by some in our city uh, whenever they wanted to make an investment here for property that the city owned. Can you imagine the red tape with HUD and a housing authority and FEMA and every other agency that would be involved in? It was just ludicrous, the accusation that was made. So again, I, I hated to even mention it, but you know somebody did say something about it. So they need to understand that there's absolutely nothing to that whatsoever. Right. And, you know, I guess, um, my only comment would be nobody has said anything about the housing authority until you appointed me. So, uh, you know, I just, uh, let they want transparency out there. Um, I have been going to, uh, housing authority meetings for about the past 10 years and, um, never have I seen anybody say anything and they should have, there's lots of issues there. A lot of issues. There, there, there are lots of issues. Most, uh, well, I'll say some of us are aware of those. It's been going on for a long time, and I, I don't want to take. You know, the housing authorities does some good things. The Carolina. Oh, absolutely, they have. That, Carolina Avenue is a great thing. Yeah, it, it has, but you know that that's got to be expedited. And once again, we're in this conundrum where government moves so slowly. So you know what, you you, you can you can attest to this. You asked me several times. Hey, would you please put me on the housing authority board? Give me an opportunity and. You know, it took a long time for me to come around because, you know, I understood what was going to come from some in the public that, you know, thought that this was some sort of um, nefarious appointment. But the reality is, is there's probably nobody in Newburn, to be honest with you, that knows more about the housing authority than you have, uh, the knowledge that you have, the experience that you have. And you know what? The appointment of the mayor outlaw, um, I mean, Mayor Outlaw has appointed everybody that sits on that board right now. So what better person to right. work with them to bring them together than the person that appointed them to begin with? Yeah, so. totally, totally agree. Um, you know, I'm I'm there to do a job and my job is to make sure that we have clean, safe, affordable housing for the people, whether they're in Trent Court, 
Newburn Towers, Craven Terrace, even though we don't oversee Craven Terrace or anywhere in our city, we need more of it. The mayor and I were on fire for it, you know, when we were in office the last time. It's just we had a lot of roadblocks. And now, um, as being part of the Housing Authority, we hope to remove some of those roadblocks. So, um I thank you for your confidence in me. And again, I have studied this. You know, I've gone back and I've, I've gone through the minutes starting in 1939 when the city of New Bern decided to have a housing authority. And anybody that wants to read about the appointment process, you can go to the North Carolina State Legislator re- website and pull up the original legislation. <laughs> and and you can see how it how it all works. Um, a shout out to Brian Saunders this morning, and he says, I just don't understand why people want to spread rumors without going to the source. And, you know, we battle that all the time as, as elected officials, don't we? Unfortunately, people have um, ulterior motives, and instead of helping and helping the situation and moving our city forward, they would rather just get either some personal notoriety or just drum up conflict. You know, Sabrina, I told you, when we worked together the last four years or so that, you know, some people enjoy the fight better than they do the outcome. Yeah. They don't really care what ends up happening. They just like fighting. And that's, that's not what I'm in this for. So. No, we're, we're in this to make good changes and, and bring, you know, good things to our city. Um, so you had the meeting, I believe you have a work session coming up. Is it this coming Tuesday? No, it's uh, next Monday, not not this coming Monday, but following Monday, and uh, it'll be in the uh, afternoon, and then we have a board meeting that following day. Um, so there was a variety of topics that were supposed to be discussed on our last work session that we didn't get around to, um, so they'll be on this one. Um, one of the topics um, is the MSD, and uh, there's some that feel like we need to have a official uh, MSD committee put together, and um, I don't I don't know that I disagree with that. I think where the contention is going to come in is how those um, positions are appointed, how you're how they're being chosen. And I went uh, somebody made a suggestion online about uh, Wilmington's and I went and looked at Wilmington. And I thought, hey, that's a great representation. You've got hospitality representatives, you've got, uh, retail, you've got homeowners, you've got commercial property owners. I mean, I, I thought it was a good a good. But would you agree, let me ask you a question though, but would you agree that in those categories, they should be MSD taxpayers and not just general public? 100%, absolutely. Okay. Um, it was interesting, you know, as FYI, I was approached yesterday by someone asking me to help them to do something. And I said, sure, what can I do? And they said, could you help get me on this new MSD committee they want to do? I feel like I could bring a lot to the table. And I said, do you, are you an MSD taxpayer? They said, no, but, you know, I can bring a lot to the table. And um, I hear all the residents want, you know, want to get on there. Maybe you can help me. And, you know, I'm concerned about that. I'm going to be honest. I'm concerned because um, for, for people out there, the MSD was formed in the mid-80s. And for the last, you know, almost 40, 40 years, 35 years, it's worked. It's worked. The, you see the results. We have taken money and leveraged it to millions and millions of dollars of infrastructure that we have done in in downtown that was paid for by the MSD, still paying it, paying it down and created what you've seen today. And, you know, it's been informal. It was, the meetings were called as needed. um, And usually they were called by Swiss Bayer or the city manager would get up with Swiss Bayer and say, Hey, I need to talk to the group and run some things by them, just like the purchase of the Talbot's lot. City manager at the time, Mr. Hartman, came in and said, hey, um, I think this would be a good asset for the city of New Bern, and here's why. 
And, yeah, no. you know, he asked the, the group of people, we were the majority of taxpayers in, in, in the MSD, and we said yes, and he took it before the Board of Aldermen, who still had to debate it and decide. It wasn't our decision. It was the Board of Aldermen's decision, always. Sure. Yeah, there, there's a lot of folks that don't really understand that. They, they think that the M and, and some folks don't even know what the MSD is. You know, we, we tried to get the word out and said, hey, look, if you got any feedback, let us know. And, you know, I, the, the first response I got was from someone asking about the social district. I said, the MSD has absolutely nothing to do with the social district. It's about how to spend the funds on infrastructure and other things within the MSD boundary it has nothing to do with social district. But anyway, uh, you know, for me, a non-negotiable on this is going to be the makeup of the board based off of the ratio of commercial versus residential. You know, if, if some feel like that, and, and this is probably a, a, what's driving some of this is that the, the residents in the MSD don't have as much of a voice, but if you're only 30% of the taxpayers, then you should only have a 30% say in that group. So to me, if there's any sort of um, recommendation or suggestion that there's an equal number of residents versus commercial, that's going to be a starter for me. I'm, I wouldn't support that. Yeah. And, and just for the facts, we know that 70% of the district is made up of commercial properties and 30% of residential. And, you know, you choose, I'm a resident in, in the MSD district and, you know, um, there, there are some challenges to living in that district and there's some great benefits to living it, but you got to take the good with the bad. And, um, I think that's some concern and I'm, I am concerned as a property owner and as a business owner, that the funds we use should be to help economic growth and development of the commercial district, not of the residential district. Yeah. And, and what I just said, um, you know, some, some people have said, well, that's not fair um, because the residents vote and the you know commercial property owners don't. And my argument that is, well, that's exactly right. That means they have a louder voice when it comes to electing their officials, when it comes to making an, an advisory or recommendation on how tax their tax dollars are spent, you know, that's even more reason why those that own property that don't necessarily live here need right. to have a better. So, you know, again, my concern will be, and this will be great for discussion, is that, you know, by making the committee or making it a formal committee or whatever, for years, we've just been known as the advisory group. So no minutes, we didn't, because there's no reason to do that. It's just giving advice I could see you on the street or I could call any alderman and say, this is my advice to you on this subject. That's all it is. It's not binding. It's not, you know, I can't believe that, you know, uh, it would change the mind of the alderman if they see something another way. And at the end of the day, the buck stops with the mayor and the board of aldermen as yeah. far as voting to spend the money. And that, that's ultimately what everybody, you know, needs to understand that whether it's a formal or informal advisory committee, um, you can you can make your recommendations. But at the end of the day, the, the board is ultimately the one that's going to make that decision. Yeah. In the many years that I've been involved with it, I can tell you that I've never seen anything done that was a misuse of the funds or didn't benefit downtown. I mean, think about it, the streetscape you see downtown. So all the pavers, all of that, the light poles, uh, benches, trash cans, all paid for by MSD. The banners hanging down the street, our beautiful Newburn banners, paid for by the MSD. James Reed Lane, Bear Plaza, um, you know, improvements in um, Federal Alley, all done with MSD dollars. 
if if it was so bad, <laughs> you know, you would have seen evidence of that. Sure. And, well, we're just um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's been brought up as a concern, and yeah. we want to try to try to address it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens one way or the other. Okay, and um, one last um, little comment because it's been a topic brought to me this week, and that's the mall. Do you have any update on the mall? People are really concerned that businesses are closing out there. I know the city of Newman, it's a private concern. We can't really do anything about it. Um, but do you, I mean, is there any update? The Chick-fil-A continues to be a problem with trying to get in there and the backup of the, um, uh, you know, cars. I'm so worried that somebody's going to get in an accident over there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, a couple things. I, I spoke with the uh, the mall leadership a couple weeks ago and um, had a good conversation with them. And you're right, folks. Folks need to understand it's a it's a private entity. The city has nothing to do with it. We have no funding. We have no jurisdiction uh, to try to make anything change. Uh, I've certainly offered our support, and if there's anything we can do to help encourage businesses to come here. Um, you know, we want to do that. They they are working on plans for Chick Fil A uh, to fix that issue that's over there. So that was good good news. Oh, that is good news. But, you know, the fact that businesses are leaving indoor malls, it, it's happening all over. This is not a newborn problem. Um, I, I guess maybe one of our issues is the the owners, Hull, uh, out of uh, Augusta, Georgia. They own it outright. They have no debt, and they do not sell malls when they acquire them. So, you know, for them, if the mall, you know, sits 50% occupancy or 85% occupancy, doesn't really matter to them. Um, you know, they, they won't obviously be full because the more full it is, the more money they make. But it's not like it's actually draining them and hurting them, which would force them to make some sort of decision. So we had some good conversation. I, I offered some suggestions to them of some things that, you know, I feel like, the community would embrace and things that could help, you know, their particular business model. And, um, you know, they, they took that under advisement. I told them if they ever have an opportunity and you need to bring somebody here, uh, let us know, you know, we'll, we'll certainly lay out the red carpet for them and, and make sure that they know that they're welcome. But it, it's, it's a problem nationwide. It's not just Newburgh. Great. I appreciate the update. Um, Meredith, I just want to say, you could say I'm sucking up, but I'm not, but you're doing an excellent job. I believe that you're, um, as you receive issues, you're jumping on them, you're searching in them, you're getting the information and getting the job done. And I really appreciate your leadership. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. All right, everybody have a great weekend. Thanks again. That was Mayor Jeffrey Odom, our little Mayor's Minute. We talked about the meeting past, this past week, what's coming up, and uh, I just want to thank him for always uh, being willing to come on and uh, talk to us about what's going on in our city. It's a great city. Um, continue to check out City Hall. The elevator is looking fabulous. That brickwork, I mean, it's just amazing. I cannot wait till that thing is finished. Uh, we've, we fought long and hard to get that, you know, people want to complain about spending the money, but at the end of the day, when you can't walk up the steps and want to come into city hall, you're going to be able to do that. So I'm really excited about that. Well, uh, it's, we're, we're already at the end of, uh, another show today. And I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Um, you know, our, our guest in the first half hour was so important. So if you really, think you might be interested in foster care, please reach out to these great ladies. I'll tell you, um, obviously they have a heart for what they're doing. There are so many children in need and you can make a difference. So if you're interested, access family services and um, go on out there to McCarthy Boulevard on Wednesday and 
and you know get some answers to your questions or just give them a call and talk to somebody if you're interested but um, I miss you Liz I look forward to having you back I believe uh, not next week but the week after she'll be back uh, we've got some exciting guests coming on in the next several weeks and uh, we'll keep you updated but for everybody thanks for joining me get out and enjoy our city and have a great weekend and I'll see you on the sidewalks have a great day